Good to see you all. Again, my name is Josh Stone, the pastor of young adults here. So, uh, so glad to see you. Today, like Jane said, we are kicking off a new series called Never the Same. And I'm really excited about this series for, a couple, for two reasons. First is that, is that we're going to look at seven stories throughout the New Testament of people who have encountered Jesus. And from that encounter, they were never the same. We're going to look at a doubter, a hater, a blind man, a short man, an ill woman, a woman with a past, and a religious leader. So I'm really excited looking at scripture about these, but also we want to hear about your story. Everyone's got different backgrounds, histories, uh, stories of their own about how they've met Jesus. And after that, have never been the same. If you would, if God leads you, we'd love to hear your story. You can write it out and send it in an email to connect at cvconline.org. And, you know, if we don't know, if like I've never had you in my home and I've never heard your story, we don't know about it. And we would love to hear your story. So please, if, uh, if you feel led to do that. Now, today we're going to do um, a group exercise. <laughs> And like, usually when I hear a pastor say that, I'm like, oh, dang it, you know. But this is going to be fun. Grab your bulletin, if you could, and flip it in the back. There's a little box there. Right above it, it says, when were you never the same? If you would, grab a pin that should be in the seat back in front of you. And I'm going to ask you this question. Think about this. What happened in your life after which you were never the same. Maybe it was a move or a change in relationship, a birth, a death, a new job, whatever. In that box, draw a picture of what that event is or what could symbolize that event. Like for me, I've got, this is the, you can't see this. This is an outline of the state of Oregon. Um, when I, right after college, I moved to Oregon, this cool artsy city. I was going to go to grad school and like live the urban life. And after about two and a half months, big old Portland, Oregon, kicked my tail, moved back home. And this is a frown face, and that's me. So if you could draw something in that box, give you 30 seconds, what symbolizes that event with, with, with which you were never the same. All right, a couple more seconds. All right, so hopefully you have something on that bulletin. And if you would, you feel comfortable, share that with someone next to you, even someone you came with. They might have never known this story. So you can, like for me, I'd say, hi, my name's Josh. This is Oregon. I moved to Oregon, then I moved back. It was really sad. I was never the same. So do that right now with someone um, next to you. All right, maybe 10 more seconds. All right. Well, hey... You guys, are invo- you guys participated a lot more heartily than I'd expected, so thank you. Today, we're going to look at a story from John 9. And if that man was here, in his box would be a clump of mud. Because this clump of mud is what Jesus used to touch this man's eyes, and it gave him sight. I'm really excited to do that. Today, we're going to do something we normally don't do. We're going to read a really long passage of Scripture, John chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or if you have your phones. If you didn't bring a Bible or or have an app on your phone, that's fine. The uh, Scripture will be on the screen. So, But before you do that, let me pray to start our teaching time. Jesus, thank you so much for 
the cross that you, bear, that you bore for us. Thank you so much for the resurrection. Thank you, Lord, that we're living in your kingdom. Um, Lord, uh, give us wisdom and, and insight as we look at John chapter 9 about this man who was never the same after he encountered you. Thank you so much you're willing to give your son so that we can have new life, we can have sight, we can have hearts. We can have hearts that really see. And uh, thank you for our stories. Thank you how you've redeemed those. Um, and we want to use those for your glory. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. So let's look at John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So here we have Rabbi Jesus. His disciples refer to him as a rabbi. And a rabbi was a very common, uh, very respected person in Jewish society. Many of them would go around different synagogues teaching about the Old Testament law, about what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's bad. And many of these, many of these rabbis would have a group of disciples that would follow along with them. So here's Jesus, this respected rabbi of his day, and his disciples are walking along, and they see a man, a beggar, who's blind. And the disciples asked a question, which was common in the day, Jesus, whose fault is this? Is it this man's fault that he was born blind, or is it his parents' fault that they did something really bad against the Torah, and... Your, the punishment from God was that he was born blind. And this is something we see in our culture, right? The idea of karma or what goes around comes around. The belief that sin or doing wrong things results in some physical disease. Well, the belief that sin equals physical disease is expressly not the teaching of the Bible or the teaching of Jesus. Jesus tells us why this man was born blind. He says, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So if you're caring for a physically or a mentally ill sibling, spouse, child, or parent, know that this is not some type of karmic response to your life. Rather, it's so that the works of God may be displayed in your life. It's not your fault, but God can use this situation to display the works of God in your life, in the life of that person who's ill, so that people can see what unconditional love really looks like. Well, let's keep looking about, let's look at Jesus's response. He responded with theology, and now he's responding with some actions. Verse 6. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go, 
wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Here's Rabbi Jesus with his entourage. He spits in the ground, works it together for mud, and puts it on this blind man's eyes. Now, why spit and why mud? I have no idea. <laughs> A lot of commentators make up some stuff. I don't really believe. I don't know. We'll ask Jesus when we get there. But he spits in the dirt, creates mud, wipes it on this man's eyes, and says, go wash. I don't know what's going through this blind man's, eye, blind man's mind right now. Is this some guy pulling a trick on me? Is this some guy insulting me, making fun of me? And he goes, well, there's, there's mud in my face. I'll go wash. He goes to this common uh, pool, splashes his eyes, wipes off, <laughs> and he experiences something he had never experienced before. Color, light and dark, movement, sight. For the first time in his life, this man, born blind, receives sight. Never in biblical history is it ever recorded that a man who was blind received sight until John chapter 9. And obviously, in the close-knit Jewish community, this causes quite a stir, right? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some says, it, it is. Others said, no, no, but he's like him. But he kept saying, I am the man. And so they said to him, how were your eyes opened? <laughs> and he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went, I washed, and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. So they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. So here's this community, close-knit Jewish community. And if you're a blind man, born from, blind from birth, and you just received your sight, probably in a good mood, right? You're probably hoping to share this really good news with your, your community, people you know from the street. You hear their voice and you recognize them. He's ready for a party. This community's like, I don't know what's Is that the guy? He's like, no, he kind of looks like it. They don't know what to do. <laughs> They're at a loss. Okay, let's take them to the Pharisees. Now, if you've been around the Bible uh, around church, you hear Pharisees, you might, you might kind of think Nazis, right? But don't think that. The Pharisees, some of them are religious, stuck-up bigots, but some of them generally seek after God. So here they take this man, born blind, to the Pharisees. Pharisees, mm, what, what do we do? This respected rabbi with all his disciples, they're claiming that he healed this man. Verse 14, now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, I washed, and I see. 
some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. Basically, take them to the, take them to the Pharisees. And here's the argument. Jesus healed a blind man on the Sabbath, or Jesus healed a blind man on the Sabbath, okay? But you know what's interesting? We, we see under the surface a little bit, there's these two groups of Pharisees, one who are overly concerned with sin, sin or no sin. This guy sinned, this guy not. Other is overly concerned with blessing. This guy has sight. <laughs> That's an amazing thing. You see, you're, you see this split in the Pharisees beginning to take place. And what is the blind man, how does he respond? Verse 17. And so they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? Since he opened your eyes, he said, he is a prophet. Here we see a turning of the story. Jesus this respected rabbi is now being referred to as a revered prophet. Now, everyone in the Jewish community knew who the prophets were. They were like the great men and women of old. They were like an historical figure, a cultural mover and shaker, and a celebrity. They were a special person, man or woman, given special abilities by God to call the nation of Israel to repentance. They were men like Elijah and Elisha, Jeremiah and Isaiah that would go to the men of Israel and say, Israel, you are in wickedness and sin. You need to repent. And they were an instrument that God used to turn Israel from destructive habits back to following the one true God. And these people were revered in the culture. It would be like for us, a George Washington, a Jackie Robinson, and a Will Smith all tied in together. Or an Eleanor Roosevelt, a Rosa Parks, and a Kim Kardashian all in one. Everyone knew about these special people. And this is who this blind man thinks Jesus is. He's not just a respected rabbi. He is a revered prophet. Verse 18, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who, do you, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son, that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should profess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. 
you, like, it's easy to throw the parents under the bus at this point and be like, are you kidding me? Like, your son has sight. Like, man, like, buck up and, like, shout this from the rooftops. But lest we be the one to cast the first stone, on the mommy play dates, are we eager to share about faith and trust in Jesus? Are we eager to have those new life conversations? Or maybe do we let that slide, that opportunity? Or if we're at work or in, at the softball league, are we eager to share about how, how our family comes and worships Jesus on a Sunday? Or do we let that conversation slide? I think we can see our own hearts in the hearts of these parents. Let's keep reading. Verse 24. For the second time, they called the man who had been been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. This is a beautiful picture of the two views of religion. One view of religion is it is a series of right and wrongs. It's a system of right and wrongs. It's all about sin. Are you a sinner or are you not a sinner? Do you do bad things or do you do good things? Are you an upstanding citizen or are you one of those people? That is what these religious leaders are so consumed by. They have a view of God like Lady Justice. You know, have you ever been to the courthouse and you have Lady Justice where you've got a, she's got a blindfold, she's got a scale in one hand and a sword in the other? This view of religion says, hey, if you do more good things than bad things, then God's okay with you. Or, or really, I think under the surface, if you do less bad things than those really bad people, then God's okay with you. But that's not the religion of the Bible and of Jesus Christ. The religion of the Bible and Jesus Christ, it's not preoccupied with sin. It's preoccupied with encounter, encountering God. It's about, do you know who God is? Have you met God? Have you had an encounter with him? Is there a moment in your life after which you were never the same? And this is what this blind man is coming up against. One group is saying, is Jesus a sinner? Is he a sinner? Did he do sin? Did he do bad things? Is he a bad guy? But the man born blind is like, I don't know if he's a sinner. I don't know about all the theology. One thing I do, I was blind and now I see. You see, you don't have to have a PhD in theology to encounter Jesus Christ. You don't have to have all the theological answers all tied in a bow to know God. But what you do have to have is a change. You do have to encounter Christ and never be the same after that. That's what the true religion of Christ and the Bible is all about. And <laughs> this is in the part of the story that I, I love. 
This man, this man born blind who's been marginalized at the edge of society, he's a beggar, he's the low of the low. He responds to these high and mighty religious leaders with such like snark and wit. You just can't help but kind of laugh and be like, man, I want to be that guy's friend. Let's, let's hear how he responds to uh, these religious leaders. Verse 26, <laughs> they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already. Would you not, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? <laughs> and they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. But they answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I would like to say that the most of my adult life, I, I uh, recognized my story and the story of the blind man rather than the story of the Pharisees. But to be honest, you know, I was born in a very religious home, and I can see my heart. I mean, it is still a battle, pulling toward this, who's a sinner, who's not a sinner, rather than who has encountered Jesus. So this man, born blind, he has no, he's not, has no skills. He has no ability to make money other than begging. He has no co-workers. He's not part of a guild or a union. At this point, he's going to have a hard road ahead. He's going to have to earn his keep some way other than begging. But now these, the, the religious leaders have cast him out, cast him out of the synagogue. And this is, he's, in, he's in danger. You, you, would, you would hope a community of faith when a man or a woman who is in great need comes into that faith, that they would rally around that man or woman support them financially, teach them how to make a way in this world, but that's not the case. So here's this blind man. He's kicked out, and Jesus hears about it, comes up to him, 35, verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Here's Jesus reentering this story, and the blind man, who's at the same time had the best and the worst day of his life, and Jesus goes and searches for him, 
looks for him, finds him. And he asks this strange question, strange to us at least. Do you believe in the Son of Man? What, is that? what does the Son of Man mean? Son of Man is the epithet or the, the, um, the name most, Jesus most commonly uses for himself in the Gospel of John. The term Son of Man has two meanings, and, and most Jews in this day would understand. Son of Man simply means son of a man, right? a person, a human. But the second meaning is a little more slippery. The Son of Man, when you hear that term, harkens back to Daniel chapter 7. When in Daniel chapter 7, we see one like the Son of Man coming down on the clouds and is presented before the Ancient of Days, God, Yahweh Almighty. And God Almighty gives the Son of Man dominion and rulers and authority and the power over the entire world. And in the text in Daniel 7, it's like the Son of Man. This guy is, he's like he's God. So when Jesus asks this man born blind, who's probably been in the synagogue most of his life, do you believe in the Son of Man? He's not talking about, do you believe in a guy that there is such a person? He's believing, he's asking, do you believe I'm that guy in Daniel 7 who's both a man and also God? And the man born blind says, not rabbi, not prophet. He says, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. He wasn't relating to Jesus as a respected rabbi to listen to. He wasn't relating to Jesus as a revered prophet to obey. He was relating to Jesus as the Lord God Almighty and to worship. You see, Jesus is one of those three to you. In our culture, there aren't too many people who don't respect Jesus and his teaching to love one another as yourself, right? And many people might go to the scriptures or go to Jesus to know what they should do or not do. You know, do unto others, you would have them do to you. And they might respect Jesus. They might give money to support his cause. They might, um, you know, listen to Jesus as an advisor, as a coach, or as a moral guide, but nothing more. Many in our culture respect Jesus as a rabbi. Others in our culture might revere him as a prophet. They might say, wow, he's this powerful man, a great man of history. Regarding sin, I should listen to him. I should obey him. You might even give your time for one of the causes of Jesus. But it's until you encounter Jesus as Lord, it's until that moment that you can truly know him. See, if you don't profess that Jesus is Lord, what does it mean to be Lord? I think Abraham Kuyper, a 19th century theologian, put it perfectly when he says this. I know... He says this, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not 
cry mine. If that quote doesn't warm your heart, I don't know if you know him as Lord. You're still keeping him at arm's length and saying, I respect you, I revere you, I'm not sure I'm ready to worship you. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Is he a rabbi? Is he a prophet? Or is he Lord God Almighty who died and rose again to to free you from the grip of sin? I want you to grab your bulletin again. I'm going to use this again in the back. Underneath what you wrote about your story, there are three boxes. One that says respect, one that says revere, and one that says worship. I'm going to invite the band back up, and I'm going to give you a a moment. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to be honest with yourself. I want you to be real and true to your heart, what you really think and believe. All right, no one's going to look on your paper. Okay, class, you know, keep your eyes to yourself, that kind of thing. When the band comes up, I want you to put an X. Really, who is Jesus to you? And I know you're thinking, well, he wants me to, he wants me to mark worship, you know. You know, he's a pastor, he's a preacher. No one's looking. You gotta be true to yourself. Since C.S. Lewis uh, created this beautiful, we call it a um, trillinium. <laughs> he says this, your view of Jesus is one of three things. Either he's a liar, he's a lunatic, or he is Lord. Either he's a liar. Look at this story. Either he contrived someone who looked like a beggar to come in, pretend like he healed this guy, and he's wicked. Don't listen to him. Don't respect him. He's a liar. Or he's a lunatic. He's rubbing dirt in blind people's eyes and think he's being healed, right? He's not to be revered. He's not to be respected. The third option is, this guy actually did receive his sight. And he's Lord. And he died and rose again to free you from the chains of sin. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Quiet, meditation, be honest with yourself. Put, a, put an X. Who, do you respect him? Do you revere him? Or do you truly worship him? All right. Let me, let me close with this <clears throat> little story from my life yesterday. So my, my wife and I moved into a home, uh, moved in yesterday, went to take a hot shower, no hot water, okay. Two things were wrong with my hot water heater. The gas was turned off and the pilot light wasn't lit. Some of you do not know Jesus. Your hearts will forever be ice cold without encountering him for the first time. Some of you need to say, I don't know, I don't know at all. I was blind and now I see. If that's you, today's the day for you to receive sight. Other of us here, I, res- I, I, I respect Jesus, I revere him, I want to worship him, but my heart's still cold toward him. You need to light the pilot light. Okay? Holy Spirit does the heating. You need to light the pilot light. How do you do that? This week. 30 minutes, uh, 30 minutes, 30 minutes of silence and meditation thinking about 
Jesus on the cross for your sins, Jesus in the tomb for your sins, Jesus raised a life at the, in an empty tomb. That will change your life. Thinking and meditating on the life, death, burial, resurrection. And what's it gonna take for you to move to the next level? We have resources here at CVC that are specifically designed to take you to that next level of worship to Jesus. If you say, say wherever you are on these boxes, if you put an arrow to the next box or to the next box and you put this in the bulletin or you put this bulletin in the offering, we will follow up with you, give you resources, connect you with places to grow your heart in love and affection for Jesus, which will spill over to every relationship you have. Will you do that? Will you take that next step from respect to reverence or from reverence to worship? Let me pray. Jesus, you are Lord. You took our sin on the cross. You defeated Satan and sin and death and rose from the grave so that we could have new life that our eyes can see, that our hearts can see. Lord, may we live a life of worship, of love. Lord, you call us to love you. Help us, Lord. Help those here who need to take the next step. Help those here who need to put, profess you as Lord for the first time today. Lord, we want to be a people who are like the blind man who sees, not the Pharisee who condemns. Lord, help our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you, for your first time, put faith, if you are given eyes to see, you just circle all those boxes. Put a way to contact you Put the bulletin in the offering and we will follow up with you personally to point you in the way of Christ.